Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bruin Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Mia Thorson. Hi, everyone. I'm Shannon Courtney, and I'm the podcast director. We're super excited to be back for a new second overall podcast season for the 2021-2022 academic year. We're going to highlight innovative and informative conversations and topics in politics, discourse, and polarization, and hopefully get some new and exciting guests this season. And if you guys are somewhat confused about our new name, which is significantly shorter than the old name, we decided to reflect the current political climate across UCLA and the US with Bruin Politics. We wanna welcome you to the eighth episode of our podcast, The Politics of Protest. In this episode, we're gonna be discussing the recent controversy surrounding Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC, and her Met Gala dress, that had the slogan, tax the rich, and the implications on the connotations of political elitism in DC. So before we start talking about that, I'm gonna give some background information regarding the Met Gala. So for those of you who don't know, the Met Gala is the annual fundraising gala for the benefit of the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute in New York City. And each year the event celebrates a theme that of that year's costume institute exhibition and guests are expected to choose their fashion to match that theme. So for example, in 2021, the theme was American fashion and highlighting American uh, fashion designers. So it is also one of the biggest fundraising nights in New York City. For example, in 2014, the gala raised almost uh, $12 million in just that night. However, this year in 2021, there was a lot of backlash against AOC for attending the Met Gala with the dress that stated tax the rich, where the majority of guests are influencers and celebrities that that either paid $35,000 a ticket or $200,000 to $300,000 for a table for all their um, friends and family. And for example, because there was a negative stereotype because these are the exact same people that AOC wants to tax that she's just uh, hanging out with, I guess. And however, AOC did actually not did not actually pay for her seat at the Met Gala because she's a New York official, so she's considered a guest of the museum. Despite this, this has sparked a tense debate and backlash on social media platforms from key political actors and everyday citizens alike. For example, Donald Trump Jr. criticized AOC for wearing a dress saying tax the rich, quote, while she's hanging out with a bunch of wealthy left-wing elites. There was also some backlash from the left. Uh, Brianna Gray, a press secretary from the Bernie Sanders 2021 campaign said, people are disappointed in her behavior outside of this context. And this seems to be reflective of the lack of commitment that has been demonstrated in a purely political context. And for example, internet posts such as AOC paid 300,000 $30,000 to go to an event filled with the world's richest celebrities just to wear a dress that says tax the rich. One Facebook post said, you are the rich, referring to the fact that she makes $175,000, where the median household income in 2019 in the U.S. was $68,000. So like everything else in the United States right now and for the last couple of years, there was uh, bad feedback and also good feedback. So coming into some of the good feedback that we had from this event, There was some positive feedback from citizens and political actors who saw her stance as profound in a crowd of American exuberance and wealth, which is exactly what the Met Gala is. For example, Faiz Shakir, manager of the Sanders 2020 campaign said, quote, she's generally happy to make people excited about a different vision for America. And another quote, there's an art to it. Politics is theater. You're figuring out ways to animate it. And that really, I feel like that resonates with a lot of people, specifically Gen Z, um, because I feel like Generation Z does so often feel left out of political discourse and like they're so 
out of the loop and it's an entirely different realm. So that was an interesting way to kind of marry the two. So now we're gonna open the floor to questions and discussions. We wanna tackle some of the deeper issues that have come up with the AOC Met Gala case as an overall lesson on the politics of protest. So for our first question that me and Shannon are gonna get into, and I do have to make a disclaimer now that the Bruin Political Union does not affiliate with any party and anything me and Shannon say, don't listen to it at all, just kidding. Um, definitely listen to what me and Shannon have to say, but it's not a reflection of the stance of the BPU. So, Shannon, can you really be a voice of justice when you're participating in an oppressive system? I think you can in the context that I think everyone has to play a role in all these different systems because you are living them. It You can't change them overnight. You have to actually, like, you know, work your way through the system to actually create change. And so I do think you can actually create justice. I, however, I think there's also alternative methods you can do. You don't always have to collaborate with people who maybe you're actually go, you actually are targeting, but maybe working with others who could be a voice of reason to those uh, other people who you are trying to get to change the overall system if they have more power and influence than you. Yeah, that pretty much resonates along the lines of what I was gonna say as well. Um, but also, I, I know that on the more, on the farther on the left of the spectrum, um, there is a lot of criticism and a lot of talk about revolution and how she's not a real uh, leftist because she isn't like burning bridges constantly. And I think what Shannon said about, you know, having to work a little bit with the system to get the system to work for you uh, really resonates uh, with me as well. And for our next question, is it important to collaborate with the people that your policy will be directly impacting to create dialogue? And yeah, I mean, I think the the issue of taxing the rich is a little different than other like historical issues where like, for example, the civil rights movement, you had to like, if you notice all the different collaborative movements that happened, people had to work together just um, because you actually, the people who had the power were like, um, the whites that were in these oppressive systems, you had to work to collaborate with them because they're the ones who could actually change the power dynamics. And so I think with the rich, you have to be able to challenge the systems because if you look at right now, Jeff Bezos, who is the richest man in the world, he, um, I think there's statistics, for example, that if he just donated like the amount of money that he would get like properly taxed, like it would pay for everyone's college education or, um, yeah, um, we'd all be out of debt, <laughs> but, so I do think you have to collaborate with the, with the people you're directly impacting because I know there's different connotations. For example, some wealthy elites like the um, the Gates family like donate all their money. So for them, maybe there's they would have no problem being taxed. Or I know, for example, sometimes they've said like Bill Gates has said that they rather instead of being taxed, they rather donate money to charity because you don't know where that money is going because the government sometimes. Um, doesn't spend money or miscalculates on the money that they're spending. So maybe working to create different solutions as well, instead of just taxing, focusing on uh, donating to different charities that in the United States to help lift up American citizens. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of moving away from the, the idea of the rich, even though I know that that's kind of what we're talking about. Uh, I think as a policymaker, it's really important to, uh, to be in touch with and to know your audience. Uh, and that's also important for your audience that you uh, 
loosely, I mean my constituents, but um, it's really important to have that sense of dialogue there. And, and if you are, you know, crowning yourself kind of as a people's champion, that the people know you and have a relationship with you and know that you are there and for their best interests. Um, yeah, so for our next question, how important is it for modern politicians to be conscious of the repercussions of their social media presence? Should politicians even have a social media presence? And this is something just, I wrote this question down just because AOC uh, is so present in, in social media. And because as we've discussed earlier, in earlier episodes of this podcast, we have had other American politicians have kind of questionable social media presences. So Shannon, go ahead and take it away. Well, I think this is very interesting. This is a very interesting conversation just because of the landscape and the demographics of um, representatives, like the president, the Congress, Senate, and even like the judiciary, because I think the average age, well, the average demographic is white male and around 60 years old. That's considered the thing is that's considered in like the Washington DC elite of like or like in these institutions whether it be right wing or left wing to be like the correct age to understand the political realm where so and I've I've noticed like for example when you have those debates when they were having debates with like Facebook and Twitter when they came in were talking about censorship these politicians couldn't even they didn't even know how the, what the functions were of Facebook and Twitter. So it was really interesting to watch the different dynamics where I think this new generation of politicians like AOC are bringing new collaborative ways to talk with the people. However, I do think it's important. We also see for modern politicians that um, if you look back, for example, on Twitter feeds, like they might contradict themselves when they were like really talking about a policy. And then like maybe three years ago, they said that they would never have brought up that policy. But I do think, so I do think people need to be conscious of the repercussions that they could have, because it's also, when you see like Donald Trump's and like, you know, there's a whole debate on, has his tweets for the January 6th uh, protest, what were his repercussions of his comments that led people to go uh, march Washington DC and riot at the Capitol? So I do think they need to be conscious of the repercussions and just be more knowledgeable that they're they have a they have an influence and their influence could um, lead to actual physical action of their um, constituents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that. Thank you, Shannon, for that. Um, also, I think that having or ignoring social media presence or excluding politicians from social media presence in the age of information that we are in right now would be detrimental, but I think there are ways to go about it. I think there's some really well-run um, social media, almost they're run almost like marketing pages. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, I worked for the um, Biden campaign in Georgia and in the outreach department. And we did a lot of social media work specifically catering to new voters. And uh, so we, I, TikToks and I'm sure some of you saw or heard about the John Ossoff like TikTok trend when the Georgia runoff elections were happening and that was another way to really get people out and get people voting and get people young people specifically excited about politics and have them feel like they had a had a voice in this discourse because like Shannon said the political when I think of a politician I think of a 60 year old white man um which 
is something that we are definitely working on breaking that glass ceiling and breaking down those barriers. And I think that social media and having positive younger female women of color, people of color role models is really helpful um, for that. So on to our last question. Are grand gestures like AOCs overall helpful or can they kind of come off as misguided? I think it really depends on, well, first off, who you ask, because like, as we were talking about when we were introducing those different quotes from the left-wing left wing citizens and right-wing citizens, uh, people have different perceptions on it, AOC's gesture at the Met Gala being controversy and her, um, her wearing a dress when she's partying and chatting and being friendly with these elites that she's supposed to be really targeting with serious questions and try, you know, trying to bait them, for example, on their um, stances about wealth in the United States. But I do think, so I think that they're helpful in the sense that it really sparked a conversation on social media between citizens to debate and discuss wealth in the United States and if it should be taxing and also holding people accountable because yes, I think it was a gesture that she, AOC didn't mean like the overall rich, rich, but not everyone, but sometimes it's really hard to pass legislation that's actually going to affect those people since there's so much lobbying in, in like the elitism of Washington DC. And she actually makes, as I said, like 175,000 where like the average salary in the United States is 68,000. So it can maybe kind of seem a little hypocritical to some people, but I think it did spark. It was helpful in the sense that it sparked a, a discussion all over social media and also with other politicians. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing that, I think it was mostly, it basically made a statement. And I think that was its most overall thing. I don't think it's actually going to create, uh, implement legislation to create change, but I think it can maybe lead to a conversation that will lead eventually to a domino effect of maybe local change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my personal opinion is, you know, kind of like what Shannon was saying, that it made a statement. And I don't know if you guys have heard the phrase, any publicity is good publicity. So whether or not, uh, we're tearing down AOC or we're like championing AOC for her decision to wear this dress with this message, people are still talking about the wealth gap. People are still talking about um, whether or not we need to tax the rich, which is a discourse. You know, I don't know if you guys heard what Shannon was saying about free college, but I would love free college. That would be fantastic. Um, and hopefully that resonates with uh, our audience at the VPU. Um, and, but again, on the flip side of that, I think that it can come off as a little bit tone deaf. You know, when I, when I first saw it, I personally was kind of like, mm, who signed, who signed off on that? Who, which social media manager signed off on that? Because when you are a politician, when you accept that role, and especially if you're a politician attending the Met Gala, which has millions of spectators and people tuning in, um, you have to be really conscious of how everything is received. And if you are Lady Gaga, your mission with your clothes and um, the statement that you're making should be and is a little bit different from AOC in the statement that you're making. I feel like maybe politicians should understand the realm that they're coming into the Met Gala with. I think that it was a great idea um, maybe it could have been executed a little bit better or with maybe a little bit more important context that could have minimized the controversy around it. Yeah. 
Um, well, so, I think one, one thing to add to that, I think yeah. I watched, um, I actually was watching some of those Met Gala videos where they were interviewing the different right. guests. And when they interviewed her, she was, I think she was, she was really highlighting the importance of the fashion designer who created her, her um, dress, which I think is important, obviously, give, yep. give credit where the credit's due. But she actually wasn't really talking in those interviews about the overall message and like talking the points that she was going to be discussing with right. these what was happening so I do think like that that like when you were talking about it could have been handled differently maybe putting more emphasis on it during interviews that were happening yeah absolutely because I I love to hear about fashion and I love the beautiful style of the ball gown that she was wearing but there is an elephant in the room when splayed across your back in crimson letters is tax the rich and in your interviews you're talking about the designer that's just my two cents um and that's actually it for our questions today you guys uh we're gonna get into our conclusion now i want to thank you all for tuning in to our second year ever of the Bruin political union uh podcast Bruin politics and we're super excited to be back me and Shannon have been texting back and forth getting our ideas set we have a great team this year and also always looking for new people so if you want to join BPU join BPU we have fun um and again tune in for our next episode we've got some really great topics coming up and hopefully we can get some really great guests on this season yeah, I'm really looking forward to collaborating with the Broom Politics team. It's going to be a really great year. So to conclude, if you have any suggestions regarding video ideas, what information you'd like to see, or what guests to invite to season two of the podcast, please contact the Broom Political Union at bpu at g.ucla.edu. Thank you so much.